productive today and we've gotten a lot done so i'm excited we, we, are, we have done i'm excited about done. this discussion welcome folks welcome to the live that we didn't tell you what's happening yeah <laughs> on purpose so, uh, uh, so yeah if you haven't noticed we did switch over to uh tbr lowdown having its own channel so this is the first video that's going to even be on the channel and yeah. um we will make a playlist and link it somewhere so that you can see all the backlog that's sitting on my channel um, right this is going to be the new home for tbr lowdown yes I, I think we were hesitant to commit to its own channel at the beginning but it is time it's time for tbr lowdown to have its branch own out and have their own YouTube home. Growing <laughs> up, oh, and man. we're here to talk about this wonderful book that we read for November. And it's yes. not you made a foul. We are not making any chickens. You made a fool <laughs> of death of your beauty. Um, I fixed that title in the just for the video. Yes. Um, but yeah, do you want to kick us off first with um, what you're reading or what you've just finished or any of that? Yeah, I'm in the middle of another chunker. <laughs> Our share of nights started that yet. I feel like I know. You, well, because you've just gotten over Nano, so uh, this yeah. is our share of night by Mariana Enriquez, translated from the Spanish by Mega McDowell. This is out now in the UK. This comes out in the US, I believe, sometime in February. Mm-hmm. However, Alyssa and I could not wait until then. So we got copies from the United Kingdom. Yeah. So that's that. Not that I've started it, but I couldn't wait. So I, I mean, I. I'm only uh, 100 pages in, but man, this is like, mm, it's, it's interesting. So we've got, um, what's the father's name? Mm, do I remember the father's name? We'll call him father until I remember it. So we got a father and he has a son who's six and the son's name is Gasper. The mother has just died. And so they are on a trek to go to uh, the the mother's sister's home. I think her name is, I forgot her name too. Anyway, the father is a medium and um, he can commune with things. And it was a fear of his and the wife's that the son would have it too. And Mm -hmm. so he's just discovered that the son also uh, can commune with the dead. And it's terrifying to him because the order, the powers that be, the order uh, will now be after the son Gasper. And so um, the father has had some health issues all his life. He's had like a lot of surgeries. He's recently just recovered from a, from a huge surgery. And so there's a lot of uh, talk about him being in pain and all these things he's dealing with with his body. And um, he's under a lot of pressure to, to train his son and to teach his son how to basically control these communications um, and these sightings with the dead. Um, and also he's trying to protect him from the order. At the same time, he's also trying to commune with his dead wife. There's a lot happening and you feel the stress from the father. He has these random thoughts every now and then of, I should just leave Gasper here basically on the side of the road, let someone else pick him up. He'll be safer with someone else, maybe. Or 
we just ran through these nice people. Perhaps I'll just leave my son here with them and they can raise him. And he doesn't have to deal with any of the stuff with the order and his gifts and abilities and all of this. It's just very, very interesting. And it's all of the backdrop of this dictatorship. And there's already a lot of uh, queerness happening. There's also um, a, a, a deep love between the father and his sister-in-law, which is kind of complicated. And, I'm, I'm again, I'm only 100 pages in, so I'm still finding things out. But so far, I'm really, really invested in what is happening and the order and these gifts that the father and the son have. It's all quite interesting. So, yeah, I'm loving it. Our share of night. This is all I can say about it because I'm not, I'm, I mean, look, it's like an 800 page book, 700 page book. <laughs> I so. have to get into it. I'll get into it. And yeah. then coming back to sort of normal now that Nano's over. So uh, I have recently-ish read, and I'm going to shamelessly plug. Um, so for my Discord, um, which is sort of part of uh, and parcel of my Patreon, we have a little monthly book club. And the club pick was Dog Flowers by Danielle <clears throat> Geller. And we had a nice a little discussion over there while we were reading it. And I just wanted to quickly say, I don't want to say too much because you know, that's the point of the Patreon. But this was a really interesting memoir and a very moving memoir about, so that our, our author, her mother is, she has two alcoholic parents. Her father is abusive and kind of goes in and out of having a home or not having a home they're kind of um they she's got like very it's a very sad situation with her parents um she's got a sister that is also uh addicted to alcohol and some mm. drugs and stuff like that and our author is the eldest sibling so there's a lot of things that are dealing with being the eldest sibling in this family that is kind of a mess and being the one who's trying to like kind of keep it all together be the adult all those things that you think yeah. about when you're the old having to be the oldest sibling and the things you have to struggle with uh in that role um but also right in the beginning the story starts because her mother dies she uh attempts to get sober and ends up dying as a side effect of trying to become sober i think she like has a seizure and then some other stuff happens and she died and after her death she ends up finding these suitcases that are filled with notebooks and diaries and letters and pictures that were all of her all her mother's so the, the memoir just takes this shape and you get the pictures and stories and stuff throughout so throughout the memoir there'll be little footnotes where the author is telling you about the thing that occurred and you get like what her mom wrote in her diary that day or something for the same memory so it's a really interesting look at like how do we remember stuff mm, um mm -hmm. is and, and you can see how different people remember events or catalog like catalog events differently um you see what it's like to grow up in a family that has to deal with like domestic violence but also uh alcoholism mm. um there's a whole storyline around being indigenous and having been separated from your roots as an indigenous person and sort of finding your way back to being an indigenous like those indigenous roots and 
there's just it's just a very interesting memoir and what i liked the best about it was the prose itself it's very mm. literary it's very it would make for very i just i feel like i would like her to write fiction i would like to see her fiction work based on the way that she writes <sighs> nonfiction. Um, yeah. And I believe she's also a professor that teaches nonfiction. So I think she very yeah. much writes nonfiction literature. But the way she writes makes me want to see what she would do if you took like off that constraint of having it be real and make right. it make it fiction. So I, it's definitely I, I, I know I saw it making the rounds in the last like few months on Instagram. It's a beautiful cover. It's a very interesting book. It's, it's I, I've got some highlights in here. It's very moving. It's very sad. Um, and definitely something that if you've seen it in passing and you're like, I don't know what that is, read it. Just read it. It's really good. That sounds good. I've, I've mm -hmm. seen a few people um, talk about that book. All good very, things to say about it. All yeah, good things. Yeah. And I mean, I think that there are things I maybe would have liked to have read more of um, in the story, but maybe that will be part of another book that she writes. You know, it, this is this is what it is as a memoir about essentially like finding yourself and your mother and your, all these other things. But yeah, there's all, it's, it was very, very, very well done and I enjoyed it. So I'm glad that yeah. somebody picked that out so that we would read it. Cause otherwise I would just keep looking at it online and not read right. it. And like, like, yeah, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse Interesting. Me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. So that's well, switch gonna... gears. And We're talk totally about switching gears. My love, my love, my beautiful, my beautiful love of a man. Oh boy, Naomi. you made a fool of death with your beauty by Akwiki Mezzi. Naomi, I want my own. What a book! <laughs> where's my, where is my talented, smart, attractive, sexy, wealthy, silver fox who wants to go to therapy without any? you know who calls you sweetness yes who calls you sweetness cooks you amazing food even though half the food he made in this book i'm allergic to and would have killed me i don't <laughs> care i was like i'm like i will get i i will have my throat closed for you sir <laughs> yeah it Do was um it, quite romantic it was yeah so our main character faye she is really still reeling from the loss of her husband who died tragically. It's been what, five years. Mm -hmm. And um, she lives with her best friend, Joy, who was my favorite characters. She's funny. Yeah. Like Joy's my favorite. Everyone needs a joy in their life. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, she's out on the dating scene and Joy is encouraging her to, you know, get some sexy time and really just, you know, live her life and, begin to try to really get over some of the grief and to live a little more and to not feel so guilty about living more. And Faye starts a friendship with a gentleman who then takes her back to his home where he grew up. And this is where she meets his father and things kind of the gets me burn so hot with desire from there <laughs> we'll just say that <laughs> so let's talk about the opening scene shall we because the opening scene of the book was 
Everybody see when she bangs a dude in the bathroom? Yeah, well, it's quite steamy. I mean, we like we waste no time getting to the steam phase in a a club of some sort. She it meets grows a guy. So much from here that I like, I'm like, you know what? That's a different phase. She's in a different book. It's but it's important. It's important. It is important, and yeah. I think that it's um. So she meets a guy and basically like takes him to the bathroom and bangs him, right? Mm-hmm. And um that guy also happens she she has like a the thing um well he they they end up becoming f buddies yeah they end up becoming f buddies yeah and there's no real feelings um and you know sometimes that's what you need is a good f buddy exactly and to get through some things that you're going through but this guy gets her is the reason why she meets what's his face whose name is escaping me yeah mine too Yes. Nasir. So yes. Nasir is one of his friends mm-hmm. and he kind of hits on her and he really pursues her. I mean, she's Hard. pretty, pretty clear with him from the beginning that she's like, I really, first of all, it's weird because I'm banging your friend. Mm-hmm. And two, like, I'm not really like, I'm not that girl. I'm not the one. I'm not the one you want. Like, right. I, I have, I have my own baggage. Like, yet, just. No, I'm not I'm seeking what you're seeking. You're seeking yeah. something serious and long term. I'm not. I want to bang a dude in the bathroom. Like right. I don't. Yeah. So, but he he stays, and she she allows it, and I think she finds comfort in him and the security of him in the sort of blurred lines of between friendship and at least f buddies, because um, they never do anything outside. They never of- seal the deal sort of like canoodling a little bit a little mm-hmm. bit of kissing a little bit of heavy petting like snuggly stuff but never never anything like full on right um, and like i guess you could argue that she leads him on but i don't think that she does because i think I she don't makes think so. it quite clear i think that he confuses her and i think when you have a lot of stuff going on and and you know i think you and i have both experienced our own forms of becoming single um after formally not being mm-hmm. uh, you know it is not uncommon for people whether they're widowed or divorced or whatever it is to be confused and to be easily i don't know manipulated almost um okay so did you take that as her being manipulated because i did it i don't know i feel like he genuinely really wanted her and I think that she genuinely enjoyed his friendship, but mm-hmm. I don't think that he ever truly listened to her when, because she makes it clear. And then he kind of keeps going. And then eventually she, it's almost like she breaks down and she's like, all right, well, like maybe. So he does listen to her. He just still thinks I can wear her down. But is that listening to somebody? But is that listening to somebody? Is it listening to somebody? Yes, I I heard you. I heard you. No, that's you heard somebody. That's not you're listening to them. But you, you, he still thinks that's like the frat boy that's like gonna turn the lesbian. Like you're not gonna turn her. She told you no. Maybe you get her confused, and I think that he gets her confused because I think ultimately she really does want what Nasir as like a 
is 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 giving but not from nasir from, right not from that's him. the problem she doesn't want it from him and i don't think at that point she knew she wanted that at all i don't i felt like to me it's like i don't know what you did after your divorce but like when you i had date, a freaking party <laughs> but like you know you can go through a series of like people that you know you're not going to have relationships with and yes. then there's people that like you know you should be in a relationship with this person like objectively like this is a good choice like you can put it all on paper and you're like mm -hmm. yeah i should be saying yes to this and either you just go no or maybe you say like kind of yes but you're not you know in your heart that it's not going to work and i feel like that's what she did with nasir and i feel like he found a way to dangle something in front of her mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that he was bad or anything i i i, I feel like you can make you can have outcomes that aren't fantastic without having malicious intent. But I feel like he really wanted her an opportunity arise arose where he could get her and do something like a big gesture where she should end up really like, like this is mm -hmm. the moment, right? Like this is the mm -hmm. thing that should seal the deal, bringing her to this beautiful paradise, mm -hmm. getting her this whole thing. Amazing opportunity. Amazing opportunity in the art world and he's expecting that he's expecting something on that he's expecting he this is the problem her to do something. and she said she doesn't want that like i'm sorry i i do think that he manipulated her a little bit i just I, just because he didn't intend doesn't mean that there wasn't i mean maybe the, okay yes so there is some slight manipulation yes there is i and again i just think it's men wanting what the hell they want but and the believing like that. Well, yeah, but and like believing <laughs> and believing that if he hangs in there long enough, that eventually her mind or her feelings will change. Mm -hmm. But I still think at that point, I I still think that Faye was so tied up in her grief that she didn't have any awareness that she wanted something serious. And maybe felt a little guilty about not being able to move on the way maybe others around her thought she should be moving on. Maybe. That's that's how that's kind of how I, I felt about it. I don't but, know. I think there's something real sneaky about you sitting around, like she, her being like, I just, I don't. It's not what I'm here for. And then there was that one scene before they leave, where like she kisses him for the first time. And I felt like that was her kind of giving in a little bit. That was to... her feeling guilty. Of yeah, and I think taking that... something, but that I she maybe that... felt like she didn't deserve because they weren't really in a relationship. But I feel like I feel like he manipulated. I really just I do. I feel like he manipulated her. I whether that was his intent or not, I feel like he manipulated her. Well, let's call it that then. That that seems fit. Well, you don't have to agree with me. It's just I I think I don't know what else her. to call then, it. I think that. I mean, yes, if the girl you've been trying to get with gets with your dad, it's very upsetting. However, his response to that was so aggressive. Not just like I'm like aggressive, and some of that is because 
he's probably his whole pride is wounded not just because you got like you he put in all this work and didn't get anything but his dad just had to like exist and gets you but also his response was not coming from a place of reality it was coming from a, a place of his expectation of exactly, what he thought he was, was going to be <laughs> But whether he was manipulating her or not, I still think that he was willing to just, to just wait it out. He was willing to be the friend. Yeah. Right? He was willing he to be the friend. Himself. Exactly. And just wait it out and just see that things would change. I think that whether or not he dangled anything in front of her, he still would have waited it out with the host of, she'll see I'm a good guy, I'm a nice guy, and her feelings would change. But I like think he would have wrote it out regardless. You can be a good guy, but that doesn't mean that the girl you want to date you is going to date you. But he's a man. He's not hearing that. I understand. That's why incels he's exist. He's not hearing that. But like, he, you know? <laughs> he doesn't understand that there is more than just him wanting a thing. Like, <laughs> she has to want it too. Would you say that's a little bit of a cockiness or arrogance? Yes. I would too. And like, I didn't dislike Nasir until like later on, but yeah, same. I, but I can also like, also like, I feel like, I feel like he really kept the pressure on her because he wanted that outcome that he wanted. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's fair. I think if somebody says to you, like, I don't want to have a relationship with you, then that's fair and i know that there's times where people like it's just not the right time and then like after some yeah. time friends become your lovers or whatever but like that is not the norm and i don't think that like it makes sense for her to go with nasir's dad because alam has similar experiences he can understand her he understands himself which mm -hmm. i don't know if nasir does because he's so angry um he can't possibly fathom what it's like to tragically lose somebody you love mm -hmm. outside of losing his mother. He can't possibly understand that. Right. Right. And she's got a lot of grief and a lot of things that she's working through and she's going to be working through them for a long time. Right. So with the father, yes, he lost his wife. But sometimes it felt like he more so grieved the loss of that man more than the wife. The man that, what was the man's name? David or someone? Oh, yeah, that man. I thought you were like being like the man that was him. Yeah, no, I mean, I David. Think... It felt like most of his, like his, his true current grief was the loss of that relationship that he saw a lot of potential in. I'm not saying he wasn't grieving his wife, but I feel like it was more of what he lost with David. Well, that was more recent. So yeah, I, mean, I think that they, they do talk about a bunch about how you kind of learn to live with the grief, right? mm -hmm. but he can have multiple grieves. Yeah. Grieves? Grief scissors. Something like Things that. You're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. But I feel like he, I think you're right. I think he, there was a lot of uh, longing to be able to be the person he really is and I wonder if that's why he was one hesitant but then also when moved through the hesitancy 
was committed to Faye, even mm-hmm. though it might destroy his family because he already gave up love once for them. Right. And he's not right. doing it again. And they don't mm-hmm. have to be mutually exclusive things. Absolutely. Because how many times can you lose somebody? Like how many sacrifices does this man have to make just to have his children not hate him? His adult children. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, that's, they're adults. Mm-hmm. And so he has every right. Your daughter's a whitey bitch. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, she was not my fave, but you know, the father has every right to uh, seek the love that, that he wants. Um, even though it's really hard. Uh, but I also found it interesting that he said that his wife was not unaware of his queerness. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I kind of wanted like just a little bit more insight into like how all that went down. Cause it was just like a blanket statement. Like I've never hid who I am from my wife or my children. I just wanted like a little bit more of like what that was like during his marriage. I wonder if, I mean, there's plenty of people that where one or both partners are bisexual and I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, like, as long as your partner knows that you love them, I don't think it really matters. But yeah, it would be really interesting to get like a, a little bit more on how the relationship worked. Yeah. Like, was was your queerness something that was discussed before you even got married? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that came about and was talked about in the midst of your marriage? You know what I mean? Was yeah. this a before thing or like a later down the line thing? Yeah, I don't know. The cooking, the cooking, the meals, just. <sighs> I do. I mean, say, I like, wanted a great meal afterwards. I did. I did really want a good meal. Um, yeah. One of the things that I really loved about this, and it's something that, you know, you and I talked about a bunch on this podcast is, uh, and it just in general, is how so much of um, black literature is about just like trauma and slavery and like mm-hmm. all kinds of just really negative sad things mm-hmm. which have a valid place in literature but mm-hmm. there needs that balance of like regular stories and like, yes this was such a like beautifully done just just regular story <laughs> yes just happens to center a bunch of black folks exactly from a bunch of different places and yes lets them have like joy and sorrows and normal people problems and i Mm -hmm. just i really 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 liked seeing it and i want same same and same yes absolutely because why can't everybody just get a story right right it was really lovely i had to read it again because i had read this so early on in the year and um, I wanted to make sure that I didn't like, you know, really for- forget anything. And again, like, Joy just gave me all the joy. <laughs> joy is a really lovely character. And I like that Joy really pushes Faye to be outside of her comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I liked that despite the fact that she was super confident, uh, she had her own things that she was struggling with. 
with yeah. having this relationship with a married woman and yes <laughs> so, married women <laughs> right, yeah. but this one particular married woman was mm-hmm. top of the list and i i just really liked i just liked that because sometimes i feel like that character can just be they're just there to boost up the main character they don't get to have their own things and it was nice that like joy had her own stuff yeah so yeah. it made her real i guess is what i'm saying i felt like she joy was fully formed yeah, she wasn't just there to to do a specific task or something. She really was a full character yeah. in her own right. She's so funny. She was really she, funny. The lines, she's just so funny. Yeah. Like, I was just waiting for her to come back in a scene. I just really adored her. Um, and I, I did feel like she was a true friend. And mm-hmm. it was also interesting, too. Like, oh, okay, they had a queer moment together as well. So yeah. a lot of queer moments in here throughout, you know? Yeah. Um, but also lovely that they were able to still maintain a real, true, solid friendship. Although, you know, they had this one moment and it didn't really, you know, turn into anything, mm-hmm. but it didn't put them in a position where they can no longer be friends or they could not build a friendship from there. Yeah. They're really just lovely together as friends. And I just kind of love them. But Joy was yeah. a just a pure delight, pure yeah. delight. I also like speaking of things that like make things sort of more realistic. I like that Faye actually decides to go home and to take care of like her own stuff. And like, yeah, she doesn't just do the happily ever after thing. It's not like, Oh, see, like there are actual conflicts and actual things that like real people might do. It's a little bit more realistic mm-hmm. in a totally not realistic way. Cause you know, not most of us are not going to, get flown to some beautiful right. island paradise and meet a beautiful silver fox and fall in love. But, right. <laughs> but may we, may we all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you're right. I think the easy thing would have been to just stay there. You know, yeah. have Joy ship all of her stuff there. Yeah. Just ship <laughs> or heck, she would just get new stuff, you know, because now she's a woman of means. And, yeah. You know, just to stay there, just completely abandon her life before and just kind of move forward in this new place. That would have been the very easy thing to wrap up a story. Um, so I'm with you. I like that um, the author kept it real. Mm-hmm. and you know she's going to go back home and they're going to face these new things as a couple together on her turf whatever that may entail yeah so yeah it's it's going to be interesting i was thinking i like you say it's I want going to be interesting two? like we're getting a part two <laughs> i know i was like do i, I well, the the both times I read it, I was like, mm, do I want a part two? And I was like, you know what? I don't want a part two. No, you just want them to I live don't want happily a part two. in your head. You know that they yeah. like go back and mm-hmm. she and they and they still love each other and they build a life together and it's yeah. glorious and wonderful. And yeah. Monsieur gets over his stuff and everybody goes to therapy. And right. It's fine. Now here's what I wouldn't Everyone mind, right? Goes to therapy. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if maybe in one of a Quake's, I don't know, maybe some novels down the road. Perhaps Faye and the father reappear on one of those novels. I think that that would not be nice. as a main role, but just like they make a a somewhat role. of a in passing role where we yeah. get a teeny tiny snippet of where they are. Yes. That would be lovely, like a that little would be Easter lovely. egg of some sort. That would be really, really lovely. Mm-hmm. I would enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. 
but I don't want a part two because then I think a part two would then make it a very like tied up nicely with a pretty bow. Yeah. And, and life isn't tied up nicely with a pretty right. bow. And I think that's kind of the point about this is that even when you tie not, like life up so nicely with a little bow, bow she met her husband when they were young they knew they were for each other they loved each other and then he dies tragically, tragically. and and they were barely even married like you she wrapped her life up with the little bow and mm-hmm. that got just crushed mm-hmm. so you can't just life doesn't work like that exactly exactly yeah life I, is uh... messy life is screwing your friend's own d- friend's dad <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but boy, didn't she give it to Nazir when he came to the gallery and tried to F with her art? Oh, man, she gave it to him good. Yeah. I mean, like, I bet he was not expecting that. And it was such a um, such a hard moment. Like, you don't even understand what you're doing. Like, Do you know what that ring is? Like, it was just so deep. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, you've got to feel like a complete ass now, Nazir. Like, you don't even know what you what you tried to tamper with. He is an ass. <laughs> he is that nice guy that is constantly telling you he's the nice guy, and like you should date him. But really, he's manipulating you. He is like what, like three steps from being an incel, Naomi. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and he borders on being an a hole. Yeah. If things don't go his way, if his little feelings are hurt, now he's an a-hole. So really, how nice of a guy are you? Not. He's not. Yeah. That reaction, like, you don't expect him to be like, oh, okay, you're screwing my dad. No, but, like, you shouldn't be that, like, violent in your response. And that's that's the problem and like that's the thing like even his dad's like and you know like that's not how you respond it's like not appropriate like yes this is complicated and weird but that is not what you do exactly no matter what like this is the Mm -hmm. wrong response regardless this is not it Mm -mm. start over to things yeah 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 very interesting i really I really liked how <laughs> rough those situations got. Uh, they were very like high emotion. And I, I, there was a point when Nazir was like really in his moment of rage. There was a moment where I thought, is he going to kill one of them? <laughs> like for a moment, I I wondered that. I was that. really worried he was going to lay hands like pretty hard on her. And yeah. I'm glad that he didn't. But I was... yeah. But I think that that says a lot because those moments, I think that some of, I, I I think there's probably a few people that are listening to this that have had that kind of moment where you as a woman have a man who's raging so hard around you that though they don't lay hands on you, your yeah. immediate thought is to think that they're going to. And mm-hmm. I think that that was like the first connection in my brain was, was to think back to some of those things. And, you know, it's, we don't all have an alum who's going to walk in and say enough. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But like in, just in those quick moments, my brain just ran a couple of scenarios that were awful. They I was like, awful. oh no, please don't have him kill Faye. And oh no, pl- or please don't have Nazir kill his father. Yeah. 
now she has two major tragic losses. Like my brain just went there for just like a quick minute. And I was hoping it didn't go down that path and it did it. And I was relieved, yeah. relieved. Yeah. Cause it could have gone that way. It sure, sure as hell could have. It could have gone that way. Yeah. Do you have yeah. final thoughts? My final thought is a Quake can do no wrong. Um, <laughs> I just think they're a phenomenal author. I think they have great imagination. I think they are fantastic storytellers and I'm just so excited to see what they do next. Now I do feel like I need to go back and read Freshwater. I've never read Freshwater and I would like to, cause it also yeah. came up in this book that I was reading recently called, I always get it wrong. It's something like before we were trans or when we were trans or something mm -hmm. like that. And it's, it's, a, it's like a history of, of, of like gender and specifically um, uh, trans folk yeah. in the world. Um, across different cultures and stuff like that and that book comes up specifically i guess her reaction to people reacting to that book mm. and how sometimes people have a way of centering themselves into narratives that aren't their own narrative essentially Ooh, interesting okay um and like there is relating to something and then there's because like you share a similar feeling or emotion, but they're completely different situations that have nothing mm -hmm. to do with each other. But like you can relate to a text through some other channel and that gives you greater understanding. And then there's using that to like sort of insert yourself, yourself. and erase the actual right. narrate, like, you know, story from, from existence. So I think that was some of the discussion that was, I, I'm probably not wording that completely correctly but like something like that and so now i'm really intrigued to read that book because i would like to sort of see what all of that was about yeah I, I i read fresh water early in 2020 and i listened to the audiobook at work and i think that was a mistake so i need to acquire the physical book and read it again that's what i need to do so Thank you, Aquiki, for this book because it really was it's just wonderful. delightful. So this was our November read. Um, our last read of the year is going to be Our Wives Under the Sea by That's Julia so Armfield. I need to get my copy. So grab a copy of this, read with us this month. We'll set up a discussion for that the beginning of January and um we're really excited. We're we're really excited to get into this one. This has been yes. on the list and we've been like geeking to read and, I have and, been and talk waiting about it. Mm -hmm. and waiting and waiting and waiting to read yeah. this book. Yeah. So excited about that. Um all right. Book rec time. Book rec time. So, do you have a book recommendation? Boy, do I. <laughs> Boy, do I. This is Deer Creek Live, A Reckoning of Memory and Murder in the Mississippi Delta by Beverly Lowry. Kanaf, thank you so much for sending this book to me. Um, mm, well, um, <laughs> listen, mm, this, this book is wild, right? So, let me just read a little bit of the back. So, in 1948... 
In the most stubbornly dixified corner of the Jim Crow South, society matron Idella Thompson was viciously murdered in her home, stabbed some 150 times, left face down in one of her bathrooms. Her daughter, Ruth Dickens, was the only other person in the house. She told authorities a black man she didn't recognize fled the scene, but no evidence of the man's presence was uncovered. When Dickens herself was convicted and sentenced to life in prison, the community exploded. Petitions pleading for her release were drafted, signed, and circulated, and after only six years, she was set free. The governor of Mississippi granted Ruth Dickens an indefinite suspension of her sentence. Listen, (laughs) this story right here was nuts, and here's why it was nuts. (laughs) What really blew my mind was what they let this daughter get away with. Okay. They let her go home and change her clothes before she like returned to the scene. They let her do a lot of things. They had the house cleaned. So basically they cleaned up all the evidence. She told the maid to wash her clothing. So like when they should have been collecting the clothes off of her, (laughs) You know what I mean? To put in an evidence bag. They just let her go home and change her clothes because she said she wanted to get cleaned up before she went to the police station to, you know, give the rest of her story. Nothing was really fitting. And what it just astounded me, like what they let this white woman do. Like you were the only one there, ma'am. Your mother has been stabbed a bajillion times. They let you leave the scene of the crime and change your clothes. What in the world? Just a, just a, a huge lack of following the rules and procedures to allow this woman to do what she wanted to do. The so the audacity. So when they go to collect I her, know. I, I don't think that I could even have been like, who I, first of all, I wouldn't think I would, I would never stab my mother a hundred and something times. Okay. No matter how much she annoys me. So let's just take that right off the top of the thing here. But if I did. (laughs) Right. I don't think that I would have the balls to even ask to get cleaned up. Ruth had a lot of balls. It was very much so. Her privilege really was just like in the forefront of all of her requests. Like she asked these things with every intention of being granted those things. Like there was no doubt in her mind that anyone would tell her no. What year is this? This is 1948. We're talking Jim Crow era. So when they do finally get around to like, we need to get her clothing for evidence. The maid hands them what clothes? Because they've been soaking in a freaking tub for hours. Okay. I don't think I could read this. I think your summation of it is enough. I don't need to be this angry. It was it was just fascinating. It was just so fascinating, like, how they botched this whole thing. Like, it was but unbelievable. Botch makes it seem like they had an intent not to screw it up. I think that they did exactly what they meant. Well, there were, uh, so there's, like, different people in play. There was a little bit of botching, and there was a little bit of, let's, like, let the white woman do what she wants to do. You know, like they they took her word for it that it was a black man that did it. Period. Well, because that usually works. Right. That usually works. And then like when I say works, not worked, because it probably still does, unfortunately. Right. But then there was a very chilling statement because like as we go through the story, 
you're having these encounters with people that knew Ruth and went to church with her or did things with her family. And this one woman said, you know, Ruth never smiles like ever. And what, when I read that, the, the chill that went down my spine was just like, mm. I just, you know what I mean? Like she never Mm-mm. smiles. Mm-mm. And also, like, I mean, her husband really thinks she didn't do it. You know, they're what? married. They have children. Like, yeah. What? You got to read this book. You, you got you got to read this. Like, it's really a trip. No way in hell. It's really a if trip. I like, was after alone with my mother, and then, lo and behold, she's found and stabbed to death in a bathtub. There is yeah. no way in hell Jesus is going to believe me when I said, oh, no, I didn't do it. No. <laughs> Not only that, when she's finally released from prison, she goes right back to like leading the children at the Bible school, at the church. Of course. Doing things with the children. It's just like, you you all just, just let her just Mercy, are you be around your kids. And it was just so weird. It was, this is a fascinating story. It's just, I think you have to read it. I, I think you have to read I it. I don't know if I could. Anyway, th- this is again? this is Deer Creek Drive: A Reckoning of Memory and Murder in the Mississippi Delta by Beverly Lowry. I mean, it really had my jaw on the floor. Give it a read. Thank you again, Kanaf, for sending me this this copy. Now I feel weird making this my book for some reason. But, um, <laughs> I was going to recommend we do this till we free us. Perfect. So, um, yeah, <laughs> um, I finally finished this and read it, obviously. Um, and this is a collection of essays by Miriam um, Kaba about the abolitionist movement. And I, we talked about this during our discussion with um, Hugh Ryan, mm-hmm. Women's House Tension, and I know and Akili. From a black yeah. man reading. I know mm-hmm. that you had already read it, but I had not yet. And so I finally got to it. I really wanted to get to it by the end of the year. And I'm really glad that I did. Um, I think that one of the really important things about this book, well, I think there's a couple of things that are really important. I think number one is the exploration of the ways systems fail people mm. and how that is a major contributing factor in crime, however you define crime. Yeah. And two, the fact that how blatantly people are held to different standards depending on things like their color of their skin or simply their gender or a combination of the two because if you're a has allegedly if you're a, a black woman and you're protecting yourself from your spouse or partner you don't have fear and it's not self-defense mm-hmm. i don't understand how that occurs yeah. But apparently it does because there were numerous yeah. occasions where poor women are left in jail for years and years and years and years and years and years and years because they're protecting themselves. Whereas if I were to do it, I don't think anybody would question if right. I said I felt unsafe. So I, I think th- those were really hard. That that particularly was really hard mm-hmm. for me to, to, to swallow, I think, because um, it's so just like commonly accepted that like I, if I, the only way that I could get away with doing something harmful to another human being is under that umbrella of protecting myself from harm. And the fact that other women are 
not given that same, you know, right mm-hmm. to protect themselves is just disgusting. And um, the second thing or third thing or whatever, the number thing is just actually having outlined sort of talking points, action points, demands, yes. etc. for this very misunderstood i feel like movement i feel like you can have a lot of sound bites that make it seem like you just want everybody you're going to throw up in the gates and like everybody exactly runs wild mm-hmm. and it's it, there's a lot more to it than that so actually reading the source material and seeing the, what people are talking about um and what the demands really are it's really for an actually actual community-based system that is trying to stop things before they get there uh, it's there's so many indicators for crime or being put in jail and they are usually things that you can actually control by having other social structures in place. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, there's still going to be outliers of people who do really terrible things, but that's not every, that's not the majority of what's happening. The majority of what is happening and that is filling our prison systems are things that don't need to be in a prison system and Mm -hmm. the prison system doesn't need to exist as it is. So yeah, I just, I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Okay. You all told me and I read the book and I'm yeah. mad for all these poor women that are stuck or have been stuck. Yeah. It's, it's very upsetting. It's incredibly upsetting. Also, Miriam Kaba is kind of amazing, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Until I got that book um, last year, I, di- I didn't know anything about her. I think it's really interesting that she doesn't really want anything to be known about her. Like she, there's a couple different um, interviews in here where people talk about like, well, basically ask her, why are you writing yourself out of the narrative? And she's like, because I'm not really the point. Right. Yeah. It's not really like me. It's about mm-hmm. the whole like kind of movement and everything. Right. And it's, and she's even like shocked at some point that like these young activists are wanting to meet her and work with her and are like impressed with her she's like but like why (laughs) right like i'm just an old lady (laughs) we're impressed ma'am we're impressed kind of impressive old lady yeah (laughs) we're impressed Mm -hmm. and thankful for the work um Mm -hmm. and and the education of it all uh this is a very new area for me yeah i mean i I, oh they're also the other thing that was shocking to me and shouldn't have been shocking was this dropping off of people into rival gang areas just to have the gangs take care of people that you don't have the ability to take care of because it's like it's crazy you you know you know you can't do you know you want to do harm because why else would you have left that child there their children most of them mm-hmm. and you know you can't because it would be wrong but you found a loophole right but you want me to what yeah you want me to think that you're upstanding yeah that's really hard to put together mm-hmm. so that it's it's a short incredibly dense book that very powerful though read. yes eye-opening yes. super informative and educational and i yes. wish more would read it so that when when we hear these various sound bites Mm-hmm. on you know throughout social media or on the news you you actually know what they're really talking about and you're not fooled or tricked into thinking this is some pie in the sky bs type of request yeah i mean and there's things that i never really 
thought about because they're so commonplace. Like, mm-hmm. why do police officers do like wellness checks? Mm-hmm. How are you equipped to do that wellness check? Mm-hmm. I don't understand how you are. Right. Yep. So many questions. But they just, it's kind of always been that way. So I never really was just like, what do you do? You you call the police to do a wellness check. I've called mm-hmm. them on people before. I've called them on patients when I worked outpatient, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's a fantastic <laughs> recommendation. It's a really good book. Mm-hmm. Read it after you read this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can read that book, Naomi. You have to. You're going to be, you have to, because you're going to be like, did they just let her, what? It is going to blow your mind. You're just going to be like, how are they effing this investigation up so poorly? You have to read it. You have to read it. It also sounds like, you know what would be a good pairing? That book and the trees. Oh. Hmm. Because all, all all these, you know, other bureau, like officers, yeah. all these other people come into this little Mississippi town and huh. the Mississippi cops are totally buffoons and botching everything. Yes. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> I'm laughing because like, there's so much absurdity in this book. Yeah. Just so much. But it's just so sad because it's... I don't know. We talk about this often. Like there is this, I don't know. It's, I wish that I could go back and fix everything. And obviously you can't. Right. Going forward and fixing stuff is such a long and arduous uphill battle, but like, sure. And you're just stuck here in the present, like sad. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know a different way of saying it. It's just, there's this, it's almost like wanting to move and not being able to. Like Yes. Yes. That's exactly what that feels like. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people want us to not learn about these things is really. Oh, just working so hard. Because it's like, I get that. I get that it doesn't speak to your narrative, but stop. <laughs> just yeah. stop. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, well. Thanks for tuning in for this live with all of our technical issues. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a lot more lighthearted. <laughs> Very much so. Very Read much this. so. Yeah. Read this for sure. It's yes. so good. I love yes. it. I loved it so much. And thank you for having Atria send me an archivist. Yes. It was nice of them to come back and ask us if there was anyone that we would like them to send a copy to. They don't always do that, but this time they did. And I was like, I know who needs to read this with me. Thank you. And I loved it. Yes. And get your copies of Our Wives Under the Sea so you can read that with us for this month. Yes. Maybe tonight when I get home, I will order it so that in case they decide to shut down my account again for Christmas related fraud mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'm going to have yes. gas in my car <laughs> exactly and I can deal with the fraud things tomorrow and lose another day of hour of my life <laughs> exactly 
Well, this was an interesting ride. We've recorded a lot, and uh, now we have other things to do. So thank you all for tuning in. Yes. Please remember to like and subscribe to this little yes. channel. I'm going to yes. start blasting out the link to this YouTube um, over on my channel, and we'll blast it out everywhere. But yes. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for tuning in. See you later. Bye. Bye. Well, we've come to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We kindly ask that you go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our show and leave a review. That would help us out tremendously. Don't forget to follow TBR Lowdown on Instagram at TBR Lowdown and visit our website for show notes, the link to join our Discord book club, and other information at tbrlowdown.com. You can follow me, Naomi, on Instagram at BookLadyReads and follow Alyssa on Instagram at NerdyNurseReads. Thanks again for listening and for your support. Until next time. Thank you.